0: Our thanks to our patrons, Carl Jackson, Kelsey Terrell, Richard Good, Daniel Ammons, Sarah Rogers, Jim Collison, Joni Ferguson-Cavanaugh, Christine Gerber, Jay Hanna, and Lori Schwartz. The North Omaha History Podcast is a volunteer effort, but you can help us meet expenses by becoming a patron for as little as a dollar a month. Go to patreon.com Slash Omaha. Welcome to the North Omaha History Podcast with noted author and historian Adam Fletcher Sasse. Each week, Adam takes you on a guided tour through Omaha's dynamic past. North Omaha is screaming full of history, and the new 24th and Lake Historic District is a tremendous example of how that's so. After its first developments in the 1870s, this intersection evolved to become a hotbed of the African-American community, as well as the heart of the Jewish community, a farm supply area, and a lot more. In 2016, 38 buildings were included on the new listing of the National Register of Historic Places. While that's uh, pretty cool, Adam, this, uh, this area is just full of stories, isn't it?
1: It certainly is, Steve. When we begin to unpeel this, we're going to hear a lot of different layers. I've actually, uh, for this podcast, I've identified five layers of history for the intersection of 24th and Lake. I'm going to talk about the region right around it, maybe you know, four blocks north and four blocks south and four blocks east and four blocks west. But keep in mind that 24th and Lake has been the center stone of many communities over the years, and I'm going to talk about those as well. It's a very important intersection, to say the least, recognized, of course, by the federal government through that National Register of Historic Places, but also always known to be that way by different ethnic and racial groups in Omaha. Let's dig into it a little bit. It goes all the way back. You'd mentioned 1870. Right around that time period, the road that we know today as North 24th Street was called Saunders Road. And Saunders Road was named after the last territorial governor in Nebraska, a man named Alvin Saunders. Alvin Saunders had a mansion over on North 16th Street, but they named Saunders Road after him in his honor. uh, Well, he was still alive, by the way. Saunders Road led straight from the Capitol Square, where we know Central High School is today. And it went way north. It went past the brand-new Creighton University that opened up in the 1870s. It came through the intersection with 24th and Coming, Cumming Street named after another one of the territorial governors. And then it came north. And as it came north from Cumming Street on, that whole street, what was called Saunders Street, was beginning to get packed full of businesses. Jewish people were some of the very first settlers along North 24th Street. They developed a community uh, where we know, where we think of no, the near north side today, this community that's south and east of 24th and Lake. This community uh, was a Jewish community originally, not only Jews, but in, largely focused on Jewish people. There were Jewish synagogues and shuls there, uh, and there were all kinds of different neighborhoods that were actually the good side of the neighborhood and the bad side of the neighborhood those jewish folks they were developing businesses and culture and all kinds of things of their own when jews showed up in omaha they were literally push cart salesmen there were stories of them literally pushing carts through the neighborhoods with fruits and vegetables for sale or pots and pans uh, silverware and all kinds of different things out of carts There were also junk collectors, there were store owners, and eventually all these folks needed places to have their business, because those pots didn't only sell out of carts, they eventually sold out of storefronts. And those cleaners, they needed places to have their operations, and on and on. The Jews in North Omaha ended up building up North 24th Street originally. Between the 1870s and the turn of the century in 1900, Jewish people built at least three or four hundred buildings along North 24th Street from uh, Dodge Street all the way north. As far as we know development today and even a little bit further still, it's pretty incredible. But a lot of those early buildings, Steve, they were built of wood. They were pioneer storefronts. So if you can imagine the old west, if you're, if our listeners are listening right now and they imagine the old west, you get this image of the wooden storefront with the false front and you know, the, the storekeeper standing out front with his sweep and he's pushing dirt back and forth. That's what North 24th Street looked like originally when it was called Saunders Road. There were wagons everywhere, horses up and down the way, kids running along the wooden sidewalks. You can envision the sound of, the you know, the wind blowing through the intersection. At that point, that region all around 24th and Lake was an open prairie that was just getting busted and developed. Uh, Houses were first getting built in the 1870s and 80s around 24th and Lake. The region grew up quick, and uh, the houses, they took their time to fill in, but eventually they did fill in. To the north of 24th and Lake, there were country mansions that belonged to rich old industrialists and capitalists who had offices in downtown Omaha. These guys wanted to live out in the woods, out in the country. And so guys like Thomas Maine, who was a real estate man in downtown Omaha, he was a contemporary with uh, George Francis Train and other real estate moguls in Omaha. Maine built a gigantic mansion out of a farmhouse that was originally at 24th and Pratt. That was way north of 24th and Lake, but the point is that uh, Main had to go up Saunders Road every day to get to his mansion. His next door neighbor in another mansion was a guy named J.J. J. Brown. J.J. Brown built a big Italian ape mansion, and uh, he went up Sounders Road every day from downtown Omaha. And there were other mansions along the way. Oh, by the way, Steve, that mansion that uh, Maine built, M-A-Y-N-E, uh, that mansion ended up becoming the Reddick Mansion, owned by John I. Redick, a lawyer in downtown Omaha. Redick handed it off to his son, Oak Reddick, and Oak ended up selling it to become... The University of Omaha. That's right. All the students from the University of Omaha eventually had to go up North 24th Street through the intersection of 24th and Lake. 24th and Lake was hopping by the 1880s and early 90s. It was a farm intersection and you had all these farms that were between Lake Street and Florence all the way up there. There were cornfields all over the place. Maine had a 10 acre orchard. Uh, Twenty-fourth and Pratt, if you can believe that. But there were cornfields all along the ways. There were all different kinds of sizes. Everybody in the neighborhood owned a cow. This is an era when the cows and the cow milk wasn't sold out of stores. It was from your cow that you had in the backyard. They often had pigs, and they usually had a donkey or a horse, some kind of a work animal to help them do their work on their little acreages. The acreages were from one acre all the way up to 20 and 50 acres. And uh, they were owned all around that North Omaha region, again, from uh, Lake Street all the way north up to Ames and and uh, further on even. So you had all kinds of development. You had all kinds of things going on around 24th and Lake in that first early era. Uh, that Saunders Road, again, the horse road, it was a pretty hopping place. There were uh, farm goods stores and a grocery store, uh, which wasn't even really a grocery store at that point. It was a pioneer Store And these general stores, we'll think of them as, uh, especially out in the West at that point, these general stores got all their goods from the Jobber's Canyon downtown, and they bring them up and sell them right at this intersection for the convenience of the people who lived around there. There were also churches that were establishing getting along the way. The Saunders Road was really important as one of the major routes up to two towns that were to the north. One town was called Saratoga. Saratoga was at 24th and Ames, and we've talked about that in the past podcast. Uh, Saratoga was kind of a, a live and die town. It, you, it started in the 1850s. And pretty soon, it's the company that ran it shut it down. But the town kept growing. And there was a school there and a church and other things that helped it maintain. And eventually, it was sucked up by Omaha as the population went north there. But uh, Saratoga was an important place for Saunders Road to lead to. The other place that Saunders Road took you up to Uh, Saunders Road went all the way north to where we know that 24th and Ford is today, and then went all the way north to where Florence Boulevard intersects with 24th Street. That's right. At one point, Florence Boulevard stopped, and it turned west to go into Miller Park. And that extension right there is still to this day called Florence Boulevard. Florence Boulevard has an interesting spur, as it were. And there was a road through Miller Park— that connected over to what we know today as North 30th Street, because North 30th Street didn't exist as a major throughfare. Instead, the road to Florence went along Florence Boulevard from downtown Omaha all the way up to Miller Park, cut across Miller Park, and then went up North 30th Street. And that was the road to Florence. You could take Saunders Road that went through 24th and Lake up to 24th and Fort, up to the intersection right there with Florence Boulevard and turn left and go through Miller Park up to North 30th and then into Florence. So Saunders Road was a connector between downtown Omaha, 24th and Lake that we know today, Uh, 24th and Fort, which developed quickly, 24th and Ames, which was Saratoga. And then it connected up to Florence. So a really important street that did a lot of important things. There were, by the 1890s, there were businesses, there were houses, There were the beginning of apartments, and there were churches that lined the entirety of Saunders Road, but especially around 24th and Lake. In 1890, it began to change a little bit. More ambitious businesses were coming in. All three corners at 24th and Lake had at least two-story buildings by 1890. In 1898, of course, there was a massive, beautiful, humongous, important event that took place that affected 24th and Lake a lot. By this point, the street had gone from being called Saunders Road to being called 24th Street because it was literally the 24th Street from the first street next to the Missouri River. The 24th Street, as it went north, did all those connections from Dodge Street to coming to Lake. And as it did that, it was filling in and it had all these different things. It, beginning to appear around 24th and Lake were things like vaudeville theaters. Vaudeville theaters were coming in where was one built that was called the Diamond Theater. The Diamond Theater eventually became a movie house. There were other events that happened, other things that grew up. The first brick building was built on the northeast corner of 24th and Lake in 1894, and uh, that building was pretty important. It had some important businesses in it. There was a farm implement store that moved into the southeast corner of 24th and Lake in the 1890s that eventually was called Lion Products. Farm Implement Store, and we're going to hear about that later on as we go along. And, uh, yeah, the Trans-Mississippi Exposition of 1898 happened just north of 24th and Lake. It didn't extend down to Lake, but it was still an important intersection because you literally had 2.9 million visitors all summer long in 1898 coming through the intersection of 24th and Lake. So you can picture all of those crowds and all of those people taking... Streetcars that went north and south along 24th Street, Street streetcars that went east and west along Lake Street, and they were heading up to the Trans-Mississippi Exposition. Now, one of the important implements that went into this intersection, actually over at 26th and Lake, emerged first in the 1870s. It was a horse paddock, Steve. That doesn't sound too romantic, but you can picture a barn, uh, not, not a big round barn, but a square bulky barn like a... I don't know, a one story building with a flat roof. And this barn had dozens of horses and this gigantic paddock where the horses were allowed to roam. And, you know, there was feeding area. There was a blacksmith shop. There was also a trolley shop right there. That's right. 26th and Lake on the northwest corner of that intersection was the site of the Omaha Horse Railway Streetcar Barn in the 1870s. That started in 1873. It consolidated and changed and grew as the technologies around it grew. The streetcar barn eventually transformed from horse-drawn to being trolleys that were run on electric wires all over. There were electric streetcars that ran on their own current. Uh, There were lots of different innovations that came out of that place. But for the next, between the 1870s and 1950s, Streetcars galore traveling through 24th and Lake because they were heading over to the barn right there at 26th and Lake. As a side note, we'll say that the city of Omaha just demolished the la- the gigantic streetcar barn that was there just two years ago. They wrecked it. It was part of the historic district and everything. They just smashed it down with no regard. They have put up a little monument to the streetcar barn right there on the corner as kind of a marker. But they did lose the integrity and beauty of that corner by demolishing that streetcar bar. Regardless, 24th and Lake strove. One of the great developments at 24th and Lake was a business on the southwest corner that was called Chrissy Drugs, Chrissy Drugs, C-R-I-S-S-E-Y. Chrissy was Omaha's perhaps first female pharmacist. She opened up her store right there at 24th and Lake after her husband died young. And uh, she stayed on that corner for several years after, almost 20 years, actually. But she built up a two-story building on the southwest corner originally. Then in 1913, the 24th and Lake intersection was targeted for demolition. Bum-bum-bum. That's right, Steve, demolition. The tornado, the great 1913 Easter Sunday tornado, came through on March 23rd, 1913, and it weighed laced. The great 1913 Easter Sunday tornado came through the intersection on March 23rd of that year, and it laid waste to the entire intersection of 24th and Lake. Dozens of buildings were obliterated, and more than 100 people died around the intersection. To the north, to the south, but even where the intersection was. On the northwest corner, uh, one building over from the corner was the Diamond Movie Theater, Motion Picture Theater. And the Diamond Theater was hit, obliterated, by the tornado. There was a pool hall in the southeast corner. There was a couple buildings down. The pool hall was called the Idlewild Pool Hall. And the Idlewild Pool Hall was hammered by the tornado. There were bodies strewn everywhere and buildings falling apart day by day. The tornado came through on a Sunday, and it targeted people right after church had released. So some people were still in the streets dressed in their finest. It was horror. It was painful. It was hard to see but even harder to go through, I'm sure. We can look through photos today from the Durham Museum Archive and other sources that show the obliteration of the 24th and Lake intersection. In my article at NorthOmahaHistory.com, I share a bunch of the pictures. And, Steve, it's hard to see. I have an article specifically about the Easter Sunday tornado, and I put more than 30 pictures in there just to really show the extent of the damage. But also, you can see the humanity. You can see the way that people are feeling. They're walking around in their Sunday best right after a tornado smacked their neighborhood as hard as it could. Three-story buildings torn to ashes. Brick facades thrown blocks and blocks away. Bodies obvious in the photos. It's terrible to look at, and yet it provides a necessary testament to remind us of how severe and how serious tornadoes are were back then, but continue to be today. One of the buildings that shows up in those photos was the OB Funeral Home, just to the east of 24th and Lake. The building actually still stands today. It's a house, a uh, regular four-square, American four-square house that doesn't look too uh, pretentious on the outside. But this photo from 1913 shows a crowd of African-Americans, a crowd of hundreds who were filing in to attend a, a funeral. There's coffins stacked in the yard next to it, and there's signs of obliteration all around this building. To the east of the intersection of 24th and Lake, there's also the Webster Telephone Exchange Building. We've known it as the Great Plains Black History Museum for a long time. It served as that, but in 1913, it was an active telephone exchange. However, they needed it for other purposes. They cleared out a lot of the desks, and they made a lot of space and they used the Webster Telephone Exchange building after the Easter Sunday tornado of 1913. They used it as a temporary morgue for the hundreds of bodies that were in the neighborhood. There were other funeral homes. There were legitimate funeral homes all around 24th and Lake. They were started by Jewish people who needed their own funeral homes because European Omahans didn't like Jews and didn't want them in their funeral homes with them. Jews also have specific customs around burial and and uh, the process of embalming, et cetera. So they had their own funeral homes. African-Americans had to have their own funeral homes. They were situated around 24th and Lake because the black population in that area was growing. By 1913, there were more than 5,000 African-Americans living in the near north side in Omaha. They worked in places like the packing houses in South Omaha. They worked at the UP yards, but they were also porters on the trains heading in and out of Omaha with all these different companies. There was actually a neighborhood just to the south and east of 24th and Lake that was called Porter's Row because all of these upper low-income African-American gentlemen with means wanted to live by each other. They knew each other. They trusted each other. And they had a block of houses just for them and their families. Porter's Row. 24th and Lake was still vibrant even after that tornado and Steve, their goal, the business owners, the neighborhoods, the city of Omaha's goal after the tornado was to show its resilience and might and to recover from that tornado as quickly as possible. And the pictures show it within a month. There was almost no sign of that tornado ever having happened in and around 24th and Lake houses were repaired. Buildings were rebuilt today out of the four corners of buildings that used to exist at 24th and Lake. Only one of them still stands. But that building was built in 1913, right after the Easter Sunday tornado. Today, it's the home of the Union for Contemporary Arts. But back then, it was the home of the Lion Farm Implement Store. That's right. Those farmers were still coming from the 1880s all the way into the 1910s. They were coming to Lyon. But we're not done with that business. It'll be back soon. Other businesses that were right there, That had started to pop up after and during and after the Trans-Mississippi Exposition of 1898. In addition to Chrissy's Pharmacy, there were also nightclubs. There were bars and saloons. There were restaurants appearing and all kinds of different things that were coming around. Cleaners were becoming important at that corner because there were people who had jobs that needed clean clothes constantly. And uh, yeah, there was lots of development that was happening. Grocery stores had started coming in. On the northwest corner of 24th and Lake, today there's a park, a Martin Luther King Memorial site, where a gigantic three-story building once stood. This three-story building was home to a grocery store starting in the 1890s that continued all the way into the 1960s. It's a longtime grocery store on the northwest corner, but in the two floors above it, there were professional offices where African-American lawyers, Dentists and doctors had their offices from the or I'm sorry, from the 1890s all the way into the 1960s and even the 70s before the building was demolished. On the top floor of the Union for Contemporary Arts, there were also doctors' offices as well as a hotel at one point and apartments later on. So 24th and Lake continued this vibrancy going all the way uh, through 1919, and that year. One of the most horrendous events, if not the most horrendous event in Omaha history happened. It didn't happen at 24th and Lake, but the effects of the event happened, and they affected that corner for the next, well, maybe even still today, Steve, 100 years later. It was September of 1919 when a mob of 20,000 people raided the Douglas County Courthouse in downtown Omaha and dragged out a man named Will Brown. Will Brown was a worker who suffered rheumatoid arthritis, who was accused of raping a white girl. This mob decided that he was guilty, and they were determined to lynch him. Steve, they dragged him out and lynched him right there in front of the courthouse. We have a great podcast about that that shares a lot of the details, and I don't want to over broadcast them right here. But the important part for our intersection of 24th and Lake is that that mob was bloodthirsty. They were going after African Americans, and instead of just stopping with lynching Will Brown, They turned north. The bloody event took place overnight. They destroyed a lot of buildings downtown. They nearly destroyed the brand new Douglas County Courthouse. And then they turned north with the intention of heading to 24th and Lake to, quote, teach African-Americans a lesson. They didn't get there. Because along the way, after midnight when they started, before the next morning at 6 a.m., U.S. Army troops showed up at the intersection of 24th and Lake. U.S. Army troops showed up, and they showed up at the intersection of 24th and Coming. They showed up at the intersection of 16th and Coming. They went up and also showed up at the corner of 16th and Lake. They went over to 30th Street. They covered Lake, Cumming. And they protected the black neighborhood. Now, in that same neighborhood, Steve, we had African Americans. We had Jewish people. But there were also Scandinavian immigrants who lived and worked all throughout that region. There were European Americans who lived and worked all throughout that region. There were a lot of white immigrant churches from Germany and England and uh, the Scandinavians. All throughout the neighborhood, right around 24th and Lake. Places like the Swedish Lutheran Church and the English Congregational Church and on and on and on. Methodists and Lutherans and Presbyterians and... All kinds of folks had churches right around 24th and Lake. And when these hordes came north to attack the neighborhood, they were going to attack them all blindly. They were looking for African-Americans walking in the street. They were looking for blacks to attack their houses. Black people, that night of the riot got firearms from the businesses at 24th and Lake, and they went to their rooftops to protect their house, to protect their families, and to shoot the white mob as it came. But the U.S. Army intervened, kept the mob out. But picture that, Steve. Right at the intersection of 24th and Lake, they set up Gatling guns. That's right, gigantic guns on wagon wheels with huge rounds of bullets, and they were ready to spray down those protesters. Right at 24th and Lake. The U.S. Army occupied that intersection for more than a week and kept North Omaha on virtual martial law. It wasn't declared formally, but everybody knew. You had a curfew, you had had prohibited travel, and uh, you weren't going to get away with it if you tried anything. They kept the neighborhood safe. But the other thing that they did, the U.S. Army, by implementing that, quote, safety zone for blacks, they created redlining in North Omaha as we know it today. Redlining is the phenomenon where African-Americans are forced to live within a certain district because of economic, social, cultural, other circumstances. In North Omaha's case, African-Americans were put through redlining starting in 1919 with the lynching of Will Brown when the U.S. Army intervened on their behalf to, quote, keep them safe. But in turn, by saying, if you stay within this line, we'll keep you safe. They established the redlined area. Now, that came back around later on in the 1930s when the U.S. federal government's Homeowner loaner, Loaning Corporation used those same lines to establish lending and insurance patterns for, that affected African-Americans to this day. But regardless, 24th and Lake, Gatling Guns, 1919. And then the intersection changed again. So we go from this pioneer, area with Sa- or pioneer era with Saunders Road. We build up the commerce all the way through to 1919. And then in 1919, the segregation begins. White people fled... From the region of right, right around 24th and Lake all the way down to Cumming. They fled. They sold their houses as fast as they could. They got out of there. And I'm talking about everybody. Not all at once. It took a few decades to actually empty North Omaha out of that region south between Lake and Cumming. To mostly empty it out of white people. But it happened. And it became more and more segregated. That's the challenging part. And the narrative about North 24th Street being some kind of a great African-American Mecca, there was some truth to that. There were black businesses that started in the 1890s that lasted 25, 30 years. There were all kinds of different restaurants and cleaners and garages and grocery stores, all kinds of different businesses owned by blacks. But there were a lot of white-owned businesses in that area, too. Jewish people continued to live there for a while, and they continued to operate businesses in that area. However, en masse, white people were flooding out starting in 1919. In turn, with that vacuum that was created, black culture began to thrive. African Americans would rent the storefronts, would get into the spaces that whites had left, and they'd open up their own enterprises. So lots of those formal and legitimate businesses, and then a few other things started to come around. In the 1910s, a man named Dan Desdunes... D-E-S-D-U-N-E-S I've got a great article about him on NorthOmahaHistory.com. Dan Desdunes brought jazz to Omaha from New Orleans. He was one of the very first jazz performers and definitely the most prolific through the 1910s and 20s he was wanted all over the place for his great music, great fun. He played for the Omaha Chamber of Commerce he played for uh, Father Flanagan's Boys Town, all kinds of different spaces and he was really popular along North 24th Street. He was an African American man and he just made great music that jazz began to set the tone though, the tone for 24th and Lake that set in for the next 40, 50 years after that tone was the African-American culture that emerged during the 1920s as part of the great Harlem Renaissance. And what we understand as the Harlem Renaissance, North Omaha had wonderful culture emerge. There were jazz musicians, there were jazz clubs, there were uh speakeasies. There were writers who came from North Omaha along the way. Newspapers came out. Now, African American newspapers have been run in North Omaha since the 1880s. But by the 1920s, there were competing African American newspapers. They were so prolific and so popular. There were competing African American newspapers. Remember, that was the way that people got their news back then. That's it. No internet, no television, no radio, all through the newspaper. And so competing newspapers, their uh, black congregations and churches of all stripes began to emerge, especially as white congregations started to move out of the area. Those immigrant European congregations that I'd mentioned, they were moving out and African-Americans moved into their churches. One of the churches that's still open today that bought a church way back then around 24th and Lakes is called Cleves CME, Cleves Memorial CME. Uh, it's south and west of the intersection of 24th and Lake. Another one is Pilgrim Baptist. There are so many churches that were started by these white congregations, African-American congregations, took them over, and they're still operating today. Powerful, powerful institutions in the neighborhood. But we have this jazz corner come around at 24th and Lake, and the whole thing took on this vibe, especially Friday and Saturday night. But even Tuesday night and Thursday night, the places were wild and fun. White people would come up from downtown Omaha. They'd come down from further north in Omaha. They'd come from the west Omaha all the way out at 42nd Street. They'd ride those streetcars. They'd drive their cars. They'd come down to 24th and Lake and they'd swing all night. They'd listen to jazz music. They'd drink martinis and they'd have roaring good times. You surely know that there was more than one cosmopolitan that was poured out then. More than one, you know, all the old-fashioned drinks. The old-fashioned itself. You get the idea. It was a swing in place. There was there was a grift that was going on. There was crime that was going on. North Omaha was notorious for having these crime lords who had been operating since the 1890s. And these guys were in cahoots with the big guy, with Tom Dennison himself. They called him the old gray wolf in the 1920s. The old gray wolf had been active in Omaha at that point for more than 30 years. And 24th and Lake was one of his hotspots. Well, ran by his lieutenants, his African-American lieutenants, who had a finger on all of the crime in North Omaha. A guy named Harry Buford. Another guy named Crutchfeld. All these guys, they were active right around 24th and Lake. Crutchfeld liked it so much, he built a duplex next to his friend Broomfield. Broomfield and Crutchfeld, they had a pair of duplexes right over at 24th and Lake, just just west of there, 25th and Lake, actually. Uh, those still, One of them, the duplexes still stands today, and it's part of the National Register. Another institution started to emerge right around then, the Black Elks and other fraternities. They started to come around 24th and Lake, and they were African-American fraternal organizations. White fraternities had already been there and had left when the white people moved out. But in the 1920s, these black fraternities emerged. There were all kinds of social clubs and women's clubs and all kinds of events happening around the neighborhood that made it very vital and vibrant, in addition to that jazz corner. By World War II, we had seen the emergence of the Dreamland Ballroom the Omaha Star newspaper, McGill's Blue Room, the Offbeat Club and many things that it was before that. All these places had come around. They were hot spots. They made North Omaha great, but they made 24th and Lake vibrant. It was on fire in a wonderful way. World War II brought the great calm, is what I call it, the great calm to North Omaha, especially to 24th and Lake. Between the end of World War II and the beginning of the 1960s, This 15-year period, North Omaha was filled with trolleys and suburban development. The whole neighborhood had filled in along 24th Street all the way up to Minnalusa. All the points in between had houses and businesses. There were so many businesses in the 1950s. All around 24th and Lake was a vibrant commercial area. Something happened at the beginning of the 1960s, though. That white flight continued When African-Americans were given uh, the rights that they were owed through the Fair Housing Act, white flight happened. Whites moved out of Coontz Place just north of 24th and Lake. Whites left their congregations, especially the North Presbyterian Church, which was right north of 24th and Lake. They left other congregations finally all around the area around 24th and Lake. They also left their businesses, Steve, and they started to move out to West Omaha. That wonderful region between 42nd Street and 72nd, 72nd wasn't even developed at that point. But they left, they abandoned the neighborhood, and in their place, African Americans, the African American population grew more. Blacks wanted better housing. They moved up to Coons Place. They moved all around the region, but that vital commercial area around 24th and Lake started to turn south in the early third in the early 1960s. It started to get, uh, storefronts were emptying out. There were no recreational activities for black youth, whether they lived down at the Logan Fontenelle projects near 24th and Paul Street, whether they lived in the houses spread throughout the entire region between North 14th and North 30th from Cummings Street all the way north up to Saratoga. There just weren't activities for African-American youth. White youth had activities. There were swimming pools to the north in Minaloosa and Belvedere neighborhoods that African-Americans weren't allowed to go into because segregation was in full force by the 1950s in Omaha. Then in 1966, the intersection of North 24th and Lake Streets became notorious for a different event. It happened in July, when there was 100-degree days for multiple days in a row. Black youth started to hang around on the corners of 24th and Lake like they always had. You know, Steve, in the 1950s, there were doo-wop groups that sang at 24th and Lake, doo-wop. And there were all kinds of fun-loving good times that were having pool halls and movie theaters and bowling alleys. But those were shut down by the 1960s. And by 1966, in the hot summer days of July, African-American youth were standing at this corner of 24th and Lake, and somebody threw a rock through a window. Somebody else threw a brick. Somebody else smashed out another window. And the first riots happened in July of 1966, and they continued on, Steve, for the next three years. Not straight through. There was a National Guard gathered at 24th and Lake to fight African-American youth. There were National Guard that went to the intersection to, quote, protect the businesses. There were fire trucks that came through that were attacked by rioters. There were people who died. The riots happened again later in 1966, in August they happened again in nineteen sixty-eight and nineteen sixty-nine. In nineteen sixty nine, just south of Twenty Fourth and Lake, a fourteen-year-old girl was playing with her friends in an empty public housing unit in Logan Fontenelle projects. Her name was Vivian Strong. Vivian went out when she heard that the police were coming, and she ran into an alley, and a white police officer named Loder took out his pistol, and shot this 14-year-old girl in her back in 1969. Steve, the rioting after that went on for a week. Buildings up and down 24th Street were absolutely demolished. An entire block of buildings at 24th and Burdette was firebombed. There are some questions about who set those fires, whether it was the rioters or white property owners conveniently disposing of their own building. But I'm not here to throw gas onto that fire. I'm here to say that the riots happened between 1966 and 69. They had a devastating effect on 24th and Lake. By 1970, the riots were mostly over. There were small uprisings that happened. But another event happened right at that time when the United States Federal Bureau of Investigations had an operation in Omaha that targeted two African-American young people who were leading all kinds of civic campaigns around the neighborhood. They started newspapers. They were active in the Black Panthers, who started uh, morning breakfast food programs for kids in Logan Fontenelle. Their names were David Rice and Edward Poindexter. David Rice eventually went by Mungo Walinga. He passed away a few years ago in the Nebraska State Penitentiary. Edward Poindexter is still there today after they were convicted of murdering an Omaha Police Department officer who went into a house that was bombed. Rice and Poindexter were sent upstate and never let out again. Multiple appeals have been turned away by the governor of Nebraska today, as well as for the last 40 years of their lives. Weilinga passed away in prison. After having all of his appeals denied, Edward Poindexter is an old man now, and he's hoping to get out just because he's old, but who knows? Their case has been proven not to have been them, but there's a wonderful author named Michael Richardson who put together the case on their favor to show definitely that they were not guilty of doing it. That case won't be considered by the Nebraska Parole Board. They won't consider hearing Michael Richardson's arguments. That all happened around 24th and Lake in the 1970s, early 70s. By the late 70s, the entire Strip was devastated. Businesses had moved out. Buildings were boarded up and emptied. Firebombed buildings from during the riots were still standing. And then the city of Omaha went on a campaign to demolish all of the blight, urban blight, they called it. And they demolished buildings all around the intersection. They demolished some of the corners of the intersection itself. Chrissy Drug had long closed. In the 1920s, they became Duffy Drug and rebuilt after 1913 as a single-story building. That stood all the way into the 80s and then was demolished. That three-story, that was on the southwest corner of 24th and Lake. On the northwest corner of 24th and Lake, that three-story building that I mentioned with a grocery store that lasted more than 50 years and floors of offices and apartments above it. That was demolished in the 1980s. On the northeast corner, there was a Safeway store that opened up in 1963. It was open for approximately four years before it was closed by rioting. Safeway didn't want to continue in that area at that point. They were trying to invest in the neighborhood before that, but they were completely discouraged by the riots. They closed. They moved out. That building sat empty for 20 years before the Omaha Industrial Council figured out a way to turn it around and make it into a useful space that it still serves as today on the north on the sorry on the southeast corner of 24th and lake was the blue Lion building it was renovated by an African- American architect who redesigned it and repurposed it with intentions of it serving as a restaurant which it did for a while after the McGill Club the McGill blue Room moved out it was a restaurant for a little while and other things. Twenty-fourth and Lake had a hard time all during the seventies and the eighties, into the nineties. A nonprofit built a brand new building. Uh, the Family Housing Corporation built a brand new building, and the north—I'm sorry—on the southwest corner of Twenty-fourth and Lake in the nineteen nineties. That building is there right now, and uh, serves a wonderful social function for the whole neighborhood. I'd mentioned earlier on the northwest corner, they installed the Martin Luther King commemorative park in the 1990s that's there it's beautiful it's got a beautiful mural behind it other buildings around the intersection some of them still stand the carver bank building was built along lake street just to the west of 24th street in the 1950s it's still standing it was renovated several years ago and uh, was served as an art space for a little while and now it's empty but it's still there The building next to that was a Muslim mosque, a black Muslim mosque in the 1970s. That building still stands, but I think it might be empty. Next to that is the Black Elks Club. That's still going. Going strong, beautiful building. They need your support. Go down to the Elks Club and have some fun. The block north of Lake Street along 24th on the west side is occupied by a lot of beautiful things today. The Love's Art and Jazz Center is a vibrant space for the community there. There are businesses along that way, as well as a fashion store at 24th and Ohio, just the next block up from Lake. I'd mentioned the Union for Contemporary Arts has renovated the Blue Lion, and it's a beautiful facility now and is vibrant with all kinds of activity. And then on the southeast corner... We have that nonprofit. So there's a lot going on at 24th and Lake today. There's lots of local cultural movements, social movements. There's lots of campaigning and lots of activities, and people are looking forward to a brand new North Omaha that's emerging. There are all kinds of developments up and down 24th Street that are very positive, new housing, new economic developments that are really changing the intersection in 24th and Lake and really making it into something different. And that's a little bit about the history of 24th and Lake and its vibrancy throughout Omaha for all times even to today. And that is the history of 24th and Lake Street.
0: Thanks for listening to the North Omaha History Podcast with noted author and historian Adam Fletcher Sasse. Join us next week as Adam takes you on
1: another guided tour through Omaha's dynamic past.